Hello and welcome to Annual Reviews Audio, part of the conversation series from Annual Reviews, where insightful research begins. I'm your host, Anna Rasquat Paz. In each episode of our show, we feature top scientists in fields ranging from astrophysics to sociology. In this episode, Stephen Brzuchka, Senior Lecturer at the Departments of Health Services and Global Health of the University of Washington in Seattle, talks about his article, The Herder I Go, The Behinder I Get, The Deteriorating International Ranking of U.S. Health Status, which he wrote for the 2009 Annual Review of Public Health. Dr. Bezruchka describes how the United States has fallen to the 34th place in life expectancy after Cuba, Chile, and Denmark. He also emphasizes the deteriorating health of women as measured by their life expectancy, which has dropped in 30% of U.S. counties between 1987 and 2007. Last, Dr. Bezruchka outlines his recommendations for improving health in the United States, including creating awareness about the nation's low ranking among developed countries and investing more in early life. I'm Stephen Bezruchka, a faculty member at the School of Public Health at the University of Washington in Seattle. I now want to speak about a paper in the Annual Review of Public Health called The Hurrieder I Go, The Behinder I Get, The Deteriorating International Ranking of U.S. Health Status. That's a complicated title that they uh, gave me. And so I want to speak uh, to these concepts in a more simplified way and ask how healthy are we as people uh, in the United States? Uh, What standards should we be using to assess our health? And uh, and then try and present data on our health status and uh, consider reasons why uh, the results are kind of surprising. Uh, I can speak uh, on an academic level, but as well I will try to simplify the concepts as much as possible. So if we ask the question, um, how healthy are we? We need some kind of standard of what health means. And uh, to most of us, if you ask what health means, um, I would say it's kind of a puzzling concept to try and speak to. Now, a little bit about me. Uh, I've worked as a clinical doctor for 35 years and uh, much of that time in the emergency department. And for me, the the easiest thing to assess in somebody was whether they were alive or dead. Sounds facetious, but that means that maybe mortality rates, whether you're alive or dead, how long you live, are an important measure of health. So let's start with that presumption. How, How long do we live? Uh, Well, there's a variety of ways of looking at that, and I want to present at least some data to uh, ask the question and and to make comparisons with other countries. In other words, uh, how how long do we live compared to people in other countries? Some of the results will surprise you. Uh, So let me begin by asking a a simple question that I want to frame. If you're a 15-year-old girl, in the United States. What are your chances of being alive at age 60? What are your probability of surviving that period compared to a girl in another country? And I'll pick a girl in Sri Lanka, uh, a country that's off the uh, uh, southeast part of the Asian subcontinent, uh, and ask the question, which girl, age 15, has a better chance of being alive at age 60, the American girl or the Sri Lankan girl? So 
If you said, of course, the American girl, he would have been right in 1970, you would have been right in 1980, you would have been right in 1990, and, and also in 2000. Uh, however, as the graph that you're going to see shows, in 1970, the American girl, and, and the vertical axis here is the probability of dying in the interval between age 15 and 60. And you'll see that the uh, curve representing Sri Lanka is above that for the United States in 1970. Uh, and you, what you see is that in both countries, health is improving, that is the chances of dying, uh, which is what the curve depicts in that interval 15 to 40 to, to, to 60. Uh, the chances of dying are decreasing in both countries, but notice how the curves cross around 2001. So that now the Sri Lankan girl, surprisingly, has a smaller probability of dying right in the prime of life between the ages of 15 and 60. Well, uh, that is a striking phenomenon. Uh, all you need to do to be able to assess this is know when somebody's born and when they die. And, uh, and we have very good vital statistics in the United States, and Sri Lanka does a pretty good job uh, of estimating that as well. So perhaps it's surprising to you that a, uh, a Sri Lankan girl actually uh, has better health as measured by this, uh, in, uh, this demographic indicator, which if you look at the vertical axis is called 45Q15. It's just a standard term, meaning what are your chances of dying in that age interval? So let's take another measure. Let's take length of life, average length of life. That's called life expectancy. Uh, all you need to calculate it is to know the, uh, the dates when everybody's born and when they die. And in, in a specific year, you get age-specific mortality rates. And then you apply them to a standard population and say, what's the average length of life for that year at those mortality rates? Uh, that can be calculated at birth, as it typically is, and whenever we see life expectancy uh, mentioned in, uh, in the media, they typically mean at birth. You can also calculate it at any year after that, and I'll refer to that as well. You could calculate it at age 1, at age 10, at age 50, at age 80. And that just means how many, if you're at that age, how many years do you have left? Uh, can you expect to live on average? Again, uh, this says nothing about an individual, just as the previous discussion about the Sri Lankan girl versus the American girl. Uh, these are rates for countries. So uh, what is surprising is a finding that has come to light in the last couple of years that looks at changes in life expectancy. One of the remarkable things about the last century is that our health has been improving tremendously. Uh, that is, we live much longer than people did 100 years ago. Uh, you likely uh, have outlived, uh, certainly outlived your grandparents, and your parents uh, probably outlived your grandparents, and hopefully your grandchildren will outlive you. Health keeps on improving. It's kind of a given uh, that we accept in this country. However, when you begin to look within the United States, what you find is uh, at the county level, let's take U.S. counties, and let's ask the question, what have been the trends in life expectancy at birth from 1987 to 2007, over that 20-year interval? And let's look at men and women separately. 
And uh, what the map of U.S. county life expectancies show, the trends, that is, the changes from 1987 to 2007, uh, the color red depicts where life expectancy has actually gone down. Absolutely. The length of life is declining. And you'll see it uh, depicted in red uh, for both men and women. And you see the men on the right uh, and the women on the left. Blue means the greatest gains in life expectancy during that period. So this gives you a, a, uh, uh, a snapshot, if you will, of changes over 20 years. And what is surprising is that in almost 30% of U.S. counties, length of life is going down for women. That is, you see a lot of red on the women's uh, map, of, and you don't see so much red on the men's. It's less than 4% of U.S. counties are actually seeing a health decline, uh, length of life decline for men in contrast to the women. Now, if we, uh, uh, without trying to present uh, too many uh, images to make you dizzy, I could do the same thing and present it for the previous 20 years, and you would not see that decline you would essentially see no decline for men or women over the period actually uh, ending in, 19, uh, in 1983, uh, in, over those 20 years. So something is happening in this country in which we are actually seeing length of life declining for a substantial portion of the population. I, I present these particular data because uh, they're visual, uh, and they show you what's happening throughout the country. There are, of course, many other studies, uh, some published in the, in the newspaper as a leading story uh, uh, not that long ago, looking at actual health declines related to educational attainment for, for example, white women in the United States that was depicted in the New York Times a while back. So we've compared... Women, girls dying in the prime of life between the United States and Sri Lanka. Then within the United States, we've seen that something is happening to our health, namely it, if length of life is a measure of health, and I would, uh, I would offer that we all want to live long, healthy lives, uh, that that doesn't appear to be happening in a substantial portion of the country. A final piece of data to present uh, is... Uh, women dying in childbirth, and that's called the maternal mortality ratio. Uh, it's the number of deaths per uh, 100,000 live births among women. It's uh, abbreviated MMR. Uh, and the next graph shows you trends for a few countries for the maternal mortality ratio uh, ending up in 2010. And the red line is the United States. And you will see that compared to the other countries on that graph, uh, our maternal mortality ratio, chances of dying in childbirth, was pretty well uh, flat until about 1995 when it started increasing. And that's a startling fact. That is, maternal mortality has gone up substantially in this country over the last 15 years. Now, uh, are th is this in fact accurate? The, what's happened is uh, we, you can always question the data. You say that uh, maybe all the states aren't reporting a maternal 
uh, a death and childbirth the same. Maybe the standards of reporting have changed. Uh, I think you can make uh, an argument that that might be the case in which the curve would appear to be artifactual. Uh, but those who've looked at the data say, no, there has been a, a real increase in deaths and childbirth among women in the United States that doesn't seem to be going on in other rich countries. Again, these data are averages. Uh, they're for the whole country. They reveal incredible inequalities uh, within the United States in different regions and uh, among different ethnic groups or racial categorizations. For example, black women tend to have much worse outcomes than white women. So uh, I presented three pieces of data. Uh, I'm going to present a couple more um, just to make the point that if comparing ourselves with other countries is our standard of measuring our health, we don't do as well as we might think we did. So some years ago, I, I, I thought, well, gee, you know, we compete in the Olympics and uh, and we always, uh, and, and we see how each country does in various events and which country racks up the most medals. So what if health were an Olympic event? How would the United States do? Well, let's take as a measure, you know, let's take as the event that we're competing in, uh, the life expectancy Olympics. Born today, today's mortality rates, how long can you expect to live? And let's take as a data source uh, the life expectancy published for every country in the United Nations Human Development Report. It's published every year. Uh, they list all the countries in the world and their life expectancy. And so let's take the report published in uh, uh, November of last year, 2011, and that are in Table 1. And let's uh, graph them from the longest-lived country down to the 34th longest-lived country using these UN data. So you'll see on, the, uh, on, on this graph, uh, I, uh, I picked uh, 34th uh, for a particular reason, that's where the United States stands. That is, uh, there appear to be 33 countries in which people live longer lives than the United States using these data in 2011. So we wouldn't, uh, if health as measured by life expectancy were an Olympic event, we wouldn't even be there for the final day's race. We would have been disqualified in the trials. I'd like to, I would think that most of you would find that disconcerting as, as I have. Now, when we look at the graph, a couple of things, uh, many of you may be saying, well, are these data true? You can look at a variety of sources and, uh, and find out for yourself. Um, are the differences in length of life meaningful. So there's almost five years separating the United States from the longest lived country, Japan. What does five years of life expectancy mean uh, at, towards the end of life? Well, one way to look at it is uh, suppose we achieve something phenomenal in the United States, namely eradicated our leading killer cardiovascular disease. If we did that and kept the other diseases, uh, the, the death rates the same, we'd gain three to three and a half years of life expectancy. Now, as a, as a clinical doctor, I could never imagine anyone conceiving that we could eradicate uh, our leading cause of death, but that gives you a glimpse of how far behind we are from the longest-lived country in the world. Well, uh, another way to look at this graph is to say, um, well, maybe we've just always been there. It's just been a facet of life in the United States. We're just not that concerned with living long. 
Well, I can say that in the 1950s, we were certainly in the top 10, probably in some years in the top five. When I went to medical school in 1970, we were 17th. When I went to public health school in 1992, we were 22nd. Now, that doesn't mean that our length of life has been declining in absolute terms. We are living longer. I said that before. But other countries are seeing greater health improvements than we are. So I mentioned that uh, in relation to some of the data that I presented earlier. And if you try to consider why this is the case, why is it that our health, although it's improving, is improving less quickly than in uh, other countries, most people would typically say it's our personal behaviors. Now, I could uh, go on for days talking about these various issues, uh, but let me just say that out of all the countries on the graph, the Health Olympics graph, the country with the lowest proportion of men smoking is the United States, or close to it. That is, we, have, we don't have that many smokers as a fraction of our population. Country with the highest proportion of men smoking, and you may recognize this if you've had any travel experience, is Japan. Almost twice as many men smoke per capita in Japan as in the United States. And, uh, and yet they live much longer lives than we do. I'm not saying that's the reason Japan is so healthy, namely everyone smokes, but it does suggest that we have to look elsewhere than personal behaviors to explain this health status. Now, earlier I mentioned uh, the situation with women, both in terms of uh, dying in the prime of life, comparing ourselves with a, um, with a poor country. Sri Lanka is certainly a poor country. I showed that length of life is declining in a, a fraction of U.S. counties, a substantial fraction, and that maternal mortality is at least not declining. And our health status among countries puts us behind all the other rich countries pretty well and in league with uh, middle-income countries. And to visualize the trends, uh, let's take, uh, just because it's a nice clean metric, how many years of life you have left to live if you're 50 years of age and a woman. And there's too many countries to consider. You know, there's 180 or 90 countries, and even 34 is too many. So let's just take uh, six countries. The United States, Japan, um, Australia, Italy, <laughs> and uh, I don't have the graph in front of me to remember the other two countries, um, England and Wales. Anyway, so this graph depicts... Uh, Life expectancy at age 50 from 1955 to 2007 for those six countries. Let's cut. So I want to look at uh, trends in our health over time. And I want to simplify the discussion by considering six countries. And I want to look at how many years women age 50 have left to live, uh, and I want to look at trends from 1955 to 2007. And the six countries are depicted on this uh, uh, graph here with the United States, Japan, France, Spain, Australia, and Italy. And you'll see on the left, uh, the, uh, the United States is the heavy, dark uh, uh, line, and in 1955, U.S. women we're at the top. We had the most years of life to look forward to in 1955. And notice Japan. Japanese women were at the bottom. 
Now you can follow the trends. You can see that health is improving. In no country have there been any declines in how many years you have left at age 50. But notice how, uh, first of all, around 1980, American women started falling behind the other five countries. Striking. Another thing that you observe is Japanese women being last in 1955 just charged on ahead. And uh, typical with what I said about the Health Olympics are the, are the longest-lived uh, people in the world. Well, it's very complicated to try and unpack the reasons why this is so. Why, have, why has health among U.S. women fallen behind in such a graphical way compared to other countries? Uh, these data are real. They're consistent with the other information that I presented, uh, different indicators, different time periods. Uh, but they do depict something that's happening. And by the way, if I was to present the same graph for men, it wouldn't look so striking. American men are not falling behind as much as American women. And that speaks to, I, th I think, and when I say I think, I mean I don't have rigorous studies to back me up, that, this, that the demands placed on women in the United States over the last 20 or 30 years have been uh, very, uh, con have been considerable, and the amount of uh, support for their efforts has not been uh, the same as that available in other countries. So I presented uh, some mortality data to make the point that uh, I started out, and that is in the title, our international health ranking, no matter what indicator you use, appears to be falling behind other countries. That's a robust phenomenon. You already have no more than your doctor, likely. That is a survey, there are very few, I'm not aware of any survey of public opinion in the United States of our health status compared to other countries. The only uh, survey that I know of is one of uh, American medical students carried out in 2002 in which uh, a third of first and fourth year medical students thought we had the longest life expectancy of all countries and a third thought we had the lowest infant mortality, namely uh, the rates of children dying in the first year of life. So uh, this is a, an interesting phenomenon. Why don't doctors or medical students know this? Well, having been a doctor uh, and uh, having gone through medical school and training, uh, you are indoctrinated to diagnose and treat disease. Your entire focus is on disease, and I would venture to say that most doctors don't really know much about producing health in society. That's not what they're there to do. They're there to diagnose and treat disease. So um, let me give you a, a few principles to try and understand these phenomena that I think are important. As I said, health has been improving over the last century. These improvements are, are not shared equally. You've seen that already. Uh, as a general rule, poorer people have poorer health. Not something that most people are aware of, but anywhere you look, by and large, those who are poorer tend to have worse health outcomes, and where you don't find that, then you have a lot to learn from investigating why that might be the case. Uh, the other phenomenon that uh, is really important is to understand that a large proportion of our health as adults is programmed in early life, uh, 
the first thousand days after conception, before you enter school. Perhaps a half of our health status as adults is actually programmed during that critical period of time. So if that's the case, and the evidence uh, it's, uh, there's a, uh, that this is the developmental origins of health and disease perspective, uh, in which there's tremendous research evidence uh, on this phenomenon. Uh, most of it, uh, uh, however, hasn't sort of reached public attention in the United States. But countries that invest in early life tend to have much better health outcomes than countries that invest their resources into older people. So, for example, Sweden, one of the healthiest countries in the world, uh, spends more federal funds on the first year of life than in any year after that. We tend to spend our federal dollars on people my age and older, uh, and people over age 65. And so, just logically, that can't have a big effect on our health status. Another thing we always consider is, uh, well, it must be uh, something to do with our health care system. I didn't mention when I presented the uh, Health Olympics uh, uh, rankings that we spend almost half of the world's health care bill uh, to achieve that standing of being 34th. Uh, it's 18% of, uh, of our economy. Uh, it's a huge amount of money that we spend. Clearly, that expenditure can't be buying us health as measured by a long life uh, as I presented. So there is a difference. Uh, I ask people, do we want health or health care? And in the United States, most people tend to think the terms are synonymous, and clearly that's not the case. Something else to consider is that uh, what I said before, poorer people having poorer health. And this is an, you find this, uh, uh, it doesn't mean that poorer nations have poorer health than rich nations as it's kind of a mixed bag there. By and large, richer countries tend to be healthier than poorer countries. Within countries, poorer people tend to have worse health than uh, richer people. Uh, but richer nations, such as the United States, may not necessarily be healthier than middle-income nations or, as I've indicated with uh, the Sri Lankan indicator, uh, poorer nations. This finding has certainly been... Uh, found in wherever you look for it in recent times, whether it was through uh, true 500 years ago is hard to, uh, to say. Uh, however, uh, this uh, cartoon shows the uh, survival rates on the Titanic. If you had a first-class ticket, you had a 60% chance of survival. A second-class ticket bought you a 40% chance of survival. If you were third-class or crew, you were 25 or 24% chance of survival. So these are compelling data. So early life matters tremendously. Governments uh, that and, and governments or societies that privilege early life uh, have a health benefit that seems to happen automatically. This can happen through government policies, as I've mentioned in Sweden. It can happen through the culture, as happens in Japan. Uh, Japan, the Japanese government uh, doesn't necessarily spend a lot of money on early life, but the culture is very devoted to children. So, uh, and, and health care is not a big part of producing health in, in rich countries or wherever we look at it. So where are we now uh, in looking at this? Well, our health status as, as people living in this country is not that good if the standard is comparing ourselves 
to other nations. Many of you may think, well, those are data about countries and they don't apply to me because I eat right, I exercise, I don't smoke, I see my doctor. Uh, and I would like to believe that that's true. However, when you break apart the data and you say, is there a privileged subpopulation that enjoys stellar health? Uh, all the research points to the evidence that no, there isn't. So that means that if we want our health to improve, we have to recognize that it has to improve for the whole society. So could health, could, could becoming healthier be a goal in the United States? Well, we as a society have embraced other goals in the past. Uh, people my age will remember in the 1960s, we set a goal of landing a human on the moon by the end of the decade. And of course, we were successful. Uh, could, we, could we set a health goal? Well, have other countries set health goals? If you, uh, Australia, one of the healthiest countries in the world, um, has set a goal to beat Japan in the Health Olympics by 2020. You'll find government documents laying out the fact that, you know, we're close to the healthiest country in the world. Uh, we just, uh, let's try harder and see if we can beat Japan by 2020. Well, that's a, that's a tough uh, task. Uh, it depends on what Japan does and its health status. It depends what Australia does. Um, however, they've laid out a compelling sort of plan that uh, seems to incorporate a lot of the elements that are really important in producing health. So to summarize, um, our health status as people in the richest, most powerful country in world history, health is measured by mortality rates, is not on a par with most of the other rich countries and in most indicators on a par with middle-income countries. That didn't used to be the case. It speaks to a relative health decline in the United States. Reasons are difficult to, sim to, to state simply, but uh, since early life is a critical period for adult health, we're not investing uh, the resources we need into early life, and uh, we have an awful lot of inequality in this country and that has been linked to health status of nations. More unequal rich countries tend to be less healthy than more equal rich uh, countries. And uh, I'm, I'm actually pleased to see that inequality of income or wealth, uh, our hierarchy in this country, uh, our, uh, so, so much more discussion of this than there ever was and a recognition that something needs to be done about that. And, uh, and so I, I think that we are poised to uh, consider a variety of steps in the future that uh, will give us uh, longer and healthier lives and that our grandchildren will hopefully outlive us and that will continue. Thanks for your attention. This is Stephen Bezruchka from the University of Washington School of Public Health talking about uh, uh, the international uh, ranking of United States health status. Thank you. You've been listening to Annual Reviews Audio. For over 80 years, Annual Reviews has guided scientists to the essential research literature in the biomedical, life, physical, and social sciences. Learn more at annualreviews.org. I'm Ana Rasquet Paz. Thanks for listening.